mascots without pants. I bought an Apple Watch. Apple finally adds YubiKey support. San Diego wants to tax you out of your vehicle. All that and more on today's Random Thoughts. Hello and welcome to episode number 221 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is spelled R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. Do you know where your classified documents are? I mean, you should if you have them. But it seems that no president, vice president, ex-president, ex-vice president, nobody knows where all these documents are. To me, again, not a surprise. Uh, It's a non-story, but of course, that's why the media is taking so much time with it because they love the non-stories. They love to be able to scream. They love being able to make a mountain out of a molehill. And there is so much misunderstanding all the way around about how these documents get out. I mean, it's one thing if it's somebody going in and throwing some documents in their socks and sneaking them out of the National Archives, and it's another. If you're a president or vice president that leaves office and somebody else packs up all your stuff and takes it to one of your other offsite locations, wherever you're going after you leave office. But the story now is Mike Pence has documents. So now let's see. Joe Biden had documents from his time as vice president and possibly Senate days we're hearing. There's no question that. What he's done is very similar to exactly what he blamed and just totally went after Donald Trump for Donald Trump. Yeah, there were documents in his office. Mike Pence, okay, there's documents. We can go back to Obama. You'll find documents. You can go back even further to the Bush and you're going to find documents. That's not a question if you're going to find them or not. But I will point out once again, there's been a lot of questions both ways with this saying well when it came to biden being a vice president you know he didn't have the same authority as the president to declassify documents so it's way different that's what you're hearing on the right-leaning sites which are really no better than the left-leaning sites but this all comes down to an executive order signed by barack obama on december 29th 2009 And it is, if you want to look it up yourself, because we do suggest that you do your own homework to know what's going on in the world. And if you're really bored and want to read documents like this, the information is out there. As I've said in the past, it's always best if there is documentation out there that you go look at it for yourself rather than listening to a talking head. Yes, even if it's me or David Byrne, that you want to go. Do the homework yourself. In this case, it is Executive Order 13526, signed by Barack Obama, that gave the president and vice president the ability to pretty much declassify everything and anything that they want. So if anybody is bloviating, blathering on about this story of classified documents saying that 
only the president can declassify the documents. That is not true. They are wrong. They are ignorant, but it does not stop them from getting booked on major networks to say the things that they want to say, which is one of the reasons why we are in such bad shape as a country and why people just don't understand the world around them and how politics works. But you're here, you're listening to me, you're part of a small sorority fraternity, don't want to misgender, but you're part of a small group that I think really wants to know what's going on. And that's part of what I'm doing here is breaking things down in a way, hopefully that you haven't heard anywhere else before and to give a little bit of a different viewpoint or a little bit of a different way to look at something. And whether you find it important or not, that's why we're a value for value podcast and you get to support the show and let me know what you want out of the show, what you like, what you don't like. And of course, you can always reach out Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts dot com is the email address. Now, the big story in sports, well, it's not really sports, but it's going to reverberate This is starting in fast food, which is even worse. The story is being framed as the woke mob going after more things. And I don't know if that's the case here or not, because I've had this conversation and joked about this for more years than I remember woke being around. And it was always a little bit just funny to me that there are so many mascots of major league teams and in this case of a and w root beer that don't wear pants they're just out there hanging out with the public wearing usually just a shirt it's the winnie the pooh look not wearing pants wearing a shirt not wearing pants and then going out i want to know what the mentality of that is as a human being, what that mentality would be where it's like, need to cover up, need to have a shirt on, no pants, go out of the house, do your thing, go to work, have fun. But this was the story of the A&W root beer mascot, but he is not alone. A vast majority of mascots started out, no pants. The Pittsburgh pirate parrot, no pants. The San Diego chicken, the first big mascot that hit the world back in the was it 70s early 80s the mascot was around i think late 70s no pants the white Sox had ribby and rhubarb in the 80s no pants the cubs have their new whatever their weird little bear guy is no pants now there are some wally the green monster wears pants give him some credit i mean it gets cold in boston maybe you want the pants because it gets cold. But I guess the A&W root beer mascot, which has been around for a long, long time, since 1963, so longer than I've been alive, Rudy, the great root bear, which is a great name for a mascot, A&W. The fact that I never knew you had a mascot until you had to talk in the Twitterverse about him wearing pants. Maybe your mascot was not out front and center. But this is a little press release from A&W Root Beer that says, America, let's talk. Since 1963, Rudy the Great Root Bear 
has been our beloved spokes bear. We knew people would notice because he's literally a six foot tall bear wearing an orange sweater. But now we get it. Even a mascot's lack of pants could be polarizing. I see what they did there. Polarizing bear, but he's not. He's not a white bear because then it would be hateful. If he was a polar bear, he would have been hung long ago because white bears totally racist, obviously. They continue with, therefore, we have decided that Rudy, R-O-O-T-Y, of course, will wear jeans going forward. Well, why just jeans? I mean, why are you limiting the bear to jeans? What if he wants to go out on the town? He can't wear some nicer slacks? Why? Why just jeans? Not to worry, though, they say he will remain our official spokesbear. After all, he is unbearably cute and impossible to replace. We are confident Rudy will continue to champion good food and good times. Wait, I thought he's staying with A&W. Does that mean? I can't remember. I, I think maybe once or twice in my life had something at an A&W restaurant. Now, rip your float. Haven't had one in years, but I can't complain about that. But it says that Rudy is going to continue for years to come now in denim. Maybe they have a deal with Levi's or somebody, Wrangler, to get the, uh, the bear denim. Going to have to be a big pair of pants, I'm pretty sure. But this is, I don't know if this is woke. I don't know if this is woke at all. I mean, I guess the question would be, and it's not really explaining on why they're making this choice now. It could just be that somebody eventually went, you know, it's a little weird. And the bear's not wearing any pants. But when will Winnie the Pooh get his pants? That's what I want to know. When will all the other mascots be forced to wear pants or not allow them to work at major league stadiums? It's a bizarre story. I mean, the fact that it's news, at least it's better than reading all of the other bad news going on in the world. At least this is somewhat humorous. They're also claiming the M&Ms getting rid of all the little character M&Ms is woke as well. I always thought that was just as weird as bears not wearing pants. Because the whole concept was, hey, we're M&Ms. Buy us to eat us. That doesn't seem like something. Would you do a commercial for like, hey, come eat people, please? I'm a great snack food. Don't think you would. So it's a little weird to have your spokesperson be the candy itself. I mean, I got what they were going for. But I believe there maybe is being tied into the woke aspect of things because M&Ms, they had male M&Ms. Which, I mean, I never checked if they were anatomically correct or anything, but they had male M&Ms and female M&Ms, but nothing in the middle. So they were probably getting pressured by the ultra woke. Hey, you got to have some tranny M&Ms. You got to have some gay M&Ms. You got to have, you got to, if you're not representing, you're hating. Remember, that's the new world order. Ask the uh, Ivan Provorov, I think his name was, the hockey player. That was discussed here in the last episode or the one before that didn't want to go out in the LGBTQ sweater and wrapped stick during the pregame warmups and took a lot of heat 
His jerseys, I guess, are still selling like hotcakes. But this is the world that we live in where people actually get concerned when mascots don't have pants and that M&Ms aren't, I don't know, gay enough, trans enough. They're too using their gender to try to sell. That was had to be problematic. Hate that word for the uh, M&Ms folks that the females, well, that was sexist because the females were dressing in high heels. That was the first thing. I remember talking about this at some point where they were changing that because they were sexualizing the M&Ms. This is just a totally messed up world that we live in. But it's one where bears and mascots don't wear pants. But in the wild, bears don't wear pants. Are they not fully dressed? Do we now? The question, I guess, becomes, would you go to the zoo? Should the bears be wearing pants? Vote on this. Talk to your local zookeepers. See if somebody can make some pairs of pants and then see who's that job. Who gets that job? Yeah, that 3,000-pound black bear, polar bear, what do they weigh? There's got to be at least a few thousand pounds, right, these big bears? Yeah, go put some pants on them. We can't have them running around the zoo without pants on. How dare they? But I digress. I mean, it's a much more fun story than, oh, my God, somebody's got classified documents in their garage. Let's talk about that 24-7. No. No. But speaking of sports, I was happy to see my favorite. I believe. I mean, it's hard to say when somebody asks you things like, well, who's your favorite musician or who's your favorite baseball player? or Who's your favorite anything that can change every now and then. But somebody asked on Twitter the other day, who's your favorite baseball player ever? And I answered Mark Burley. And he made it through another round of the Hall of Fame voting, which I was happy. Because I think Mark Burley deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and I may have ranted about that here at some point. The first year, he got about 10% of the votes. The second year, just a little over five. This year, back up to 10.8%. And I guess the way that the Hall of Fame voting works is that as long as you can maintain over 5% of the ballot, they'll keep putting you on the ballot. If you fall under 5%, you're done. But as long as you keep getting over five, you can go years before getting voted in. And I think Mark Burley has a case for making the Hall of Fame because, again, if it's just the Hall of Stats, call it that. But then also go look at his stats. We have things now like wins over replacement that try to give a more accurate representation of a player's value to his team. And when it comes to wins over replacement for all pitchers, Mark Burley came in 65th in the history of the game, which I think is pretty good. So if you're out there and you vote on these things, take another look at Burley. He deserves a shot. One, his speech would be really entertaining. Two, he had more fun playing the game than anybody I can remember watching when I was watching baseball. He was efficient, something that baseball, if they could bottle Burley, man, they would love to. Because baseball's wet dream is quicker and quicker games, and Mark Burley would finish games. If it was an o- over a two-hour game when Burley was pitching, you're like, wow, what happened? One of my favorite opening days, went out with my mom, 
Cleveland Indians, Chicago White Sox, Burley, I forget who he was pitching against, but it was another ace on Cleveland. And it ended up being a one zip game that ended in 96 minutes, I believe. Yeah, the kitchen there that was delivering the food out because these were the these were the sweet club seats where you would just order the food in your seats and they would bring it out. There was a lot of food that wasn't getting out because there wasn't enough time. Usually it takes a few hours before they're closing out in the seventh or eighth inning. This game was 96 minutes or maybe 94. It was one of the quickest games that I've ever been to opening day. Mark Burley deserves a shot, no doubt about it. Moving on, a lot of people are giving me a little crap about this because there's a lot of people who do not like the whole Apple ecosystem. And I've always had a foot in the Apple ecosystem. The first smartphone I ever got was an iPhone because it was one of the first smartphones that was ever out. I've owned an Apple laptop. I would like an Apple, not laptop anymore, although the new MacBooks look really nice. I think I would like one of the new Mac minis now that you can plug in three monitors right to the back without having to add anything else to it and get off of the Windows ecosystem because the Windows ecosystem and audio recording, they just do not mix that well together as well as audio and Apple goes much easier trying to route everything around. But I ended up picking up an Apple Watch, which was something requested, well, not requested, Requested, recommended is the word I'm looking for by my cardiologist a few years ago, but everything was going great. So I'm like, ah, it seems like a lot of money. Do I really need it? Then have uh, recently had a few more problems with the little AFib, little erratic beat going on. And I have to say the capacity of the Apple watch, if we can all just for a moment Forget that there is the possibility that all of your health records may end up being leaked onto the interwebs. Forget that for a minute. Forget about the security of your data because most people forget about the security of their data anyway, and they give up way more information on the TikTok than I do on a phone that's just pretty much paired up to this watch. And if you're like, well, you have to go buy an Apple iPhone as well. If you're on, this is another tip that I've given before. If you are on Xfinity for your high-speed internet, and if you, especially if you have switched to them for your mobile carrier, which I have, and my mobile bills have never been lower because it's a family plan with five or six phones on it now. But nobody really needs mobile data. So all the phones are sharing like one gig per month of data outside of the house. If you're at home or if you're hooked up to a Wi-Fi hotspot, which I found that even being out now, most restaurants and stuff that I end up being in end up having an Xfinity hotspot, which means you're never paying for mobile data. But they're giving away the new iPhone mini, whatever the number is, but they're still giving away free iPhones as long as you bring a new number and you can get a new number from Google voice, go get a new Google voice number and immediately tell Google you want to port it out. It's going to cost you like three or four bucks 
but you can port that number out and bring it in to Xfinity and they count that as bringing a new line in and they'll give you a free phone as long as you keep it active for two years. You do not have to pay for the phone. You have to pay tax. That's it. But adding lines to the account doesn't really cost one penny more because, again, it's all being billed upon a combined data being used. But you do need an iPhone for the watch. So there is that. Understand that you can't just go get an Apple watch without having an iPhone. But the capabilities of this little device are fairly impressive from the fact that it will monitor things like your sleep, which is kind of cool. It shows you, and I don't know how accurate this is, but it seems pretty accurate with the time sleeping, but they also rate how much time you're in your core sleep, how much time you're in REM sleep, how much time you're in deep sleep. You can track those kind of things. It will track your O2 levels, which I found to be fairly accurate when comparing it to one of those little finger devices that you can buy for like 20 bucks. The pulse octimeter, is that the word I'm looking for? I believe so. It seems to be pretty accurate with that. Now, I don't know as you move around and stuff, because this is taking the number through your wrist rather than through your fingertip. But it's interesting as you will see those numbers go up and down throughout the night. If you have something like sleep apnea, you may notice that your O2 levels are going down as you sleep because you're not getting enough air in. So that's a good warning sign to know. You see what your breathing pattern is, how many breaths you're taking per minute. It will show you your heart rate. So if your heart starts racing for no apparent reason, It will alert you to it, and it's just collecting a lot of data, which is scary. If that data were to get out there, a lot of people don't want their health data out there, and rightfully so, but it is data that you can get on your own that you used to have to go into a doctor for, and it will tell you if your heart's in sinus rhythm. You can do a very simplistic EKG, ECG. It's called an ECG on the phone. When you go into the doctor, it's an EKG where they hook up. I went yesterday to the cardiologist. It's like 10 different electrodes to you to get a better signal on what's actually going on. But this is a one-step thing. And this is you only have to take your fingertip and press it to the side of the device, and it will take an ECG for you. And it's very simplistic, but it'll show you whether or not your heart is in sinus rhythm. If you have something going on like an extra beat or an irregular beat, you will have that record, which is in an EKG form like you would get from your doctor. And you can export that as a PDF. You can send it to your doctor electronically if you want to do that. So it gives you a lot of different options to be able to monitor your health without having to go into the doctor and they're really, I think, helpful devices. And at this point, I think the risk versus reward is really leading to the fact that the phone is providing more than the worst case scenario, which is, oh, somebody ends up getting all of my health data. Well, if you're dead, your health data, probably not all that important. I felt a little bit better 
when watching the Bandrew Says podcast, and he went back to one of these Apple watches in order to get healthier. And it is an annoyance, but in a good way, because if you set it up to do so once an hour, if you're sitting on your ass like I am doing a podcast, it'll be like, hey, get up, walk around, do something for a couple of minutes. It tracks all of your steps, which, again, maybe some people don't want. It'll tell you how many flights of stairs you've climbed, how much you've walked. The only oddity is it does not see riding a stationary bike or recumbent bike as exercising because I guess your body's not moving in the right way. So it really wants you to walk in order to track everything because the other day I was on the bike. And I'm going and I'm looking at the watch and it's like, you have exercised zero minutes. It's like, well, no, I've been exercising right here. Been exercising a lot. And then I realized if you just like pump your arms while you're sitting on the bike, which is fun in its own, you don't fall off or anything. But then it'll start, oh, yes, you're exercising. So I guess it's that motion of moving your arms in just the right way that it then will look and go, okay, you're exercising now. But I think it's a very useful device. I've heard from a few people over on No Agenda Social who also use these. It's very split. There are people that love these devices, and then there are everybody else that are like, oh, my God, why would you use that? And I'm using it because it is vital to know, for me, what is going on with my heart. And as long as you've got it, then you may as well use it for the capabilities that it has to track your fitness, to know in a very easy package whether you're doing more physical activity one day than another. So it's a cool little device. If you can afford one, and especially if you have any kind of heart arrhythmias, highly recommended. Kind of mad at myself for not getting one earlier because it is a very important tool to have to know what's going on with your own body without having to rush into an emergency room or rush into a doctor to get an EKG. You can do this in 30 seconds anytime you want. And I think the peace of mind is well worth it. And we can segue nicely into the story that Apple has finally added support on their devices for a YubiKey, which I may have talked about that here. I don't remember because I've got a few different podcasts, but a YubiKey is a physical device, looks like a little USB drive that acts as a second form of authentication. Now, you can use this now, finally, on your main Apple account. You, If you were following the news at all, probably heard in the last years about a few of the massive hacking things that had been done And usually it's not as much hacking as knowing enough information about somebody. But a lot of celebrity photos, some of them not suitable for work, not ones they wanted to get out, got out because they were being stored on the Apple service and because the YubiKeys weren't available quite then. Now, if anybody's getting hacked now, you know they were kind of asking for it. But the YubiKey, I've used it on my main Google account mainly over the last year or so, and you only need it the first time you log in and you can still say, trust this device, which maybe makes it slightly 
less secure, but I kind of figure if somebody's going to break into my house, maybe they're going to get access to more important things in my Gmail. But this little USB stick will allow you to lock your accounts down, now including your Apple account, to where when you're logging in for the first time with something, you put in your username and password, and it's also going to go, hey, got to have that YubiKey. And then you touch it to the back of your phone. It's all working on the uh, NFC near-field communication. You touch it to the back of the phone. It reads it, and then it knows you have the physical key, so it won't allow you to log in if you don't have the physical key, which means if somebody gets your username and password, they still need that physical key in order to get into your account. Now, Lifehacker points out, and this is one of the first good Lifehacker stories I have seen in a year, maybe more. But the article on Lifehacker says, Apple being Apple, there are still some quirks to the process. To start out, you will need to maintain two FIDO certified security keys at all times if you want to use the feature on Apple. And this makes a certain amount of sense because if you tie something to a little physical USB device and then you lose that device or somebody steals that device or your ex-wife snaps it in half and it's no longer usable, you're never getting back into your account. So Apple's fix for this is to make you, I guess, put two of these devices on your account in the hopes that your ex-wife doesn't snap both of them in half to lock you forever out of your account. So I highly recommend if you're going to do that. And it makes sense with other services as well to have a backup key that you put somewhere that is ultra secure and only used in case that first key gets lost or broken. Otherwise, you're not getting back into your account. So there is the trade-off just like there was with the watch and your health data and the security. There's always a trade-off between security and your convenience. And if you want to go ultra high security, you are adding less convenience to the bill, but that's okay. As long as you know what you're doing and don't lock yourself out of your account. So I would recommend if you've never heard of a YubiKey, that you go check them out. There's different types of them out there. The YubiKey just happens to be the one that I, that I have, but they work with Android. Now they work with Apple. They work by plugging them into a laptop or desktop through the USB, and it will help keep most of your accounts safe. More and more are allowing the use of a YubiKey as a second factor. So again, do your own homework, check that out, and keep everything that you got in your data safe. And the final story I have, again, not a surprise to anybody that has been following this podcast. I've talked in the past about how the people, especially on the left, they want to nudge you into doing the right thing. They may not make something illegal, but they're going to nudge you. They're going to convince you that you're going to make the choices that they want you to make. There are cities that just do not want any privately owned cars and trucks going around. They want it to be all public transportation. San Diego 
getting in on this one. They really want to tax you out of your vehicle is what they want to do. This from Fox News, San Diego County's regional transportation agency, Sandag. Their latest plan is designed to make driving so expensive that you succumb to public transportation. In addition to the current gas tax and registration fees, Sandag's plan adds three new half-cent sales tax increases. Over 800 miles of San Diego County freeway lanes converted to toll lanes and a mileage tax for every mile you drive in order to pay for their $165 billion mass transit plan. Again, San Diego seems to be very much like Chicago. Less and less people are using mass transit because crime is out of control. It is not a nice service. You're not in a nice limo. You're in garbage. You're in urine soaked subways or buses. Not really a good plan, but they figure if they could just charge you so much for operating your own personal vehicle that you'll make the choice to go with the public transit. Their financial plan even states Again, this is the San Diego County Regional Transportation Agency. Their plan states, quote, charging fees for the transportation infrastructure that people use, for example, charging users for each mile they drive on the highway, can change travel behavior, end quote. So this is no longer, hey, we just need the money because you're driving on the streets. We need the money to Keep the streets in good condition. Most taxpayers, most reasonable people go, well, that makes sense. We need to pay for the services that we use. But that's not the case here. That's not what they want. They want to charge you so much, and they're even admitting, hey, if we charge people enough, they'll change their behavior. And when you see that kind of language, that should scare you because these leftists are no longer even hiding their true intentions. They're putting it right out there. You know, we don't want people to drive. So let's just keep raising the price to drive and then they won't be able to, those poor people. I don't know how anybody puts up with this. I don't know where it's going to get to, but it is important that you pay attention to what's going on and understand the tactics that are being used and always look for the underlying reason. In this case, hey, we're not charging you more just so we can have the infrastructure there so the streets aren't falling apart, so you have nice wide lanes and a comfortable ride. No, the cost of driving your car is going up in San Diego and elsewhere. It's going up because they want you to stop driving your car. That's the only reason the taxes are there is to nudge you in the direction that they want to get you out of your personal vehicle and get you onto the public transportation system because the government knows better than you. They can provide you with the transportation that you need when you need it. You do not need your own personal vehicle. No, you do not. You horrible person driving your own car listening to this right now. You would not be welcome in San Diego. And I bet you're okay with that. I would be. Always keep your eyes open, understand what's going on. And when it comes to things like this, where the nefarious
various reasons behind it are right there in black and white. You got to stand up. You got to do something. Otherwise, all of our rights, all of our freedom will be stripped away. With that said, I hope this show has been informative or entertaining or both. I do work on the value for value model, which means the shows go out there. They're not behind a paywall. If you've gotten any value out of this show whatsoever, you can help the show by sending some value back. You can do that in a variety of ways. You can tell a friend or 12 or a thousand about the show. Tell them you like the content. Tell them I'm a moron. doesn't matter. Tell them to listen. And maybe they will get something out of the show as well. But you can also send some monetary tokens back our way by going to randomthoughts.com slash donate, clicking the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal, using the QR codes or wallet addresses for a crypto thing. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. If you use podcasting 2.0 capabilities, if you're well-versed on sending out Satoshis, and if you don't know what that means, you can go to newpodcastapps.com, get some more information. But you can stream us some Satoshis, you can boost, you can boost a gram, all sorts of fun stuff. And if you're over on Patreon already, we don't have extra content there as of yet. But you can do a monthly donation through Patreon by going to patreon.com slash random thoughts. Today, I have one person to thank, and he is one of the heroes of the podcasting donors, the list out there. He's like the Patron saint of podcasters lately, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley coming in with his monthly $15 donation. And it truly does help us to keep the web servers running, the P.O. box open, the microphones sounding good. All of that stuff takes some money and it is always appreciated when people help support the show. So thank you, Sir Sean. And be like Sir Sean, just go to random thoughts slash donate get into the whole value for value frame of mind. Now, with that said, I will be back next week with a whole new show, probably not talking about mascots and pants, but you never can tell. That is why you have to tune in, and I hope that you will. So until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.